Welcome back to episode 30 of the Football MD Podcast. My name is Michael Bowling and I am your host for today's show. Happy December everyone. I cannot believe that it is already week 13, the final week of the regular season for fantasy football. We hope that you guys have already secured your fantasy playoff spots, but if you're still fighting to get in, then you've tuned in to the right place as I'm going to prime you guys with everything that you need to know going into this week's matchups. And as always, make sure that you're following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at FootballMDPod to stay up to date with all things football. But now let's hop right into these matchups, starting with the Chicago Bears playing the New York Giants in a game with a 45-point over-under. On the Bears' side of the ball, quarterback Chase Daniel played fine last week against the Lions, but let's not forget that they are one of the least efficient defenses in the NFL. Meanwhile, there's been just one quarterback that has thrown for more than two touchdowns against the Giants all season, and that was Carson Wentz back in Week 6. I have him as a low-end quarterback two option as I am expecting the Bears to rely on the run game a lot this week. Speaking of the run game, Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard. Quick update on the Giants' run defense since trading Damon Harrison. They've now allowed 535 yards on 104 carries. That's over 5 yards per carry and 4 rushing touchdowns over their last 4 games. I have Howard as a low-end running back two as I think he'll be utilized enough and has a chance to find the end zone here. And Tariq Cohen, he hasn't had more than 7 carries since way back in week 4, but he'll get enough work in the passing game to keep him in the high-end running back three range this week. And for the Bears' other options in the passing game, Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, and Anthony Miller. I think Robinson will see a lot of B.W. Webb and Janoris Jenkins, who have both been average on the season, but they have allowed just 10 top 36 wide receiver performances this season. So I don't think he's a must play. And as I said, the Bears will try to run the ball a lot in this matchup, but he's still a fringe wide receiver two, wide receiver three for me this week. And Taylor Gabriel, he's a wide receiver four, in my opinion, until we see him do more with his targets. And I would actually prefer to start Anthony Miller here, who will see a lot of fellow rookie Grant Haley in the slot. Then on the Giants side of the ball, I know that with no Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, he should see a bump in targets, but I would still temper my expectations. He'll see a lot of Bryce Callahan in the slot, who's been playing very well this season, so he's still a lower end wide receiver three, wide receiver four for me. Then for the rest of the Giants offense, of course you're starting Odell Beckham Jr. and Saquon Barkley. He could be playing the Monstars from Space Jam and you're still going to have no issues starting him. So those are the only two options you should be rolling with this week. And now we'll move right on to our next game of the week, the Arizona Cardinals playing the Green Bay Packers in a game with a 44.5 point over under. For the Cardinals, you know you're starting David Johnson, but for the passing game, Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk, Fitzgerald will draw a pretty favorable matchup in this one against Traymon Williams, who was moved to the slot due to all of the injuries to the Packers secondary, and Christian Kirk will see a lot of Jair Alexander, who's had a great rookie season so far, but he should still see upwards of five or more targets, and the Packers secondary is fairly susceptible to the big play that we've seen Kirk break off at certain points throughout the season. So I have Fitz and Kirk as a wide receiver three and wide receiver four respectively. Respectively. He's still the primary route runner at tight end, but Jermaine Gresham has been playing nearly double the snaps over the last two weeks, so he's off the streaming radar for me. And now let's hop over to the Packers side of the ball. Aaron Jones has now totaled 36 of 38 running back touches over the last two weeks for the Packers. He's as close as you're getting to a workhorse running back, and he now plays the Cardinals, who have allowed the most rushing touchdowns and second most rushing yards on the season. I have Aaron Jones penciled in as a running back one this week and for the rest of the way going forward. Then in the passing game, MVS Marquez Valdez-Scantling, he disappeared last week in a tough matchup against the Vikings, but the Cardinals have been struggling against the slot as of late, so I still have him as a lower-end wide receiver three with some upside provided Randall Cobb is out. And for Jimmy Graham, I would avoid him if possible. The Cardinals have now held... 
George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, and Jared Cook to just 134 yards and one touchdown over the last three weeks. So Graham is still playing through his broken thumb and he could be taken off the field at any point. I'm not trusting him in this matchup. Next up, we have the Indianapolis Colts traveling to Jacksonville to play the Jaguars in a game with a 48-point over-under. On the Colts side of the ball, Andrew Luck, he's still a quarterback one every single week. That's not changing for me. And in the run game, Marlon Mack, Naeem Hines, and Jordan Wilkins. This is not a great matchup against the Jaguars' run defense that held them to just 32 yards back in Week 10. This was before Jordan Wilkins skewed the stats a little bit with a long 53-yard run. And we aren't sure what Marlon Mack's status will be going into this game, but I would actually prefer to start Wilkins over Hines if Mack is out. Since Week 5, Wilkins has totaled 182 yards on just 19 carries. That's 9.58 yards per carry. So I would have him as a low-end running back 3, as the Jags still have only allowed 4 rushing touchdowns on the season. So like I said, not a favorable matchup. And in the passing game for T.Y. Hilton, he's now had back-to-back games with 125 or more yards, but he will again face Jalen Ramsey, who held him to 77 yards on 3 receptions back in Week 10. So this isn't a great matchup, but I'm still starting Hilton as a mid-to-low-end wide receiver too. And Eric Ebron, the Jags have been tough against the tight ends, but with no more Jack Doyle, you're definitely starting Ebron as a mid-tier tight end one in this matchup. Then on the Jaguars side of the ball, there's really not many options that I'm trusting here. In the run game, with Leonard Fournette suspended, Carlos Hyde and TJ Yeldon will be filling in, and the Colts have only allowed five rushing touchdowns on the season and still have yet to allow a 100-yard rusher. Because of that, you have to look at the passing game, which favors Yeldon, as Hyde has caught zero passes since joining the Jaguars. I still have them both as running back three plays in this matchup, but not ones that you need to start. And for the passing game, Dante Moncrief and D.D. Westbrook, I'm not trusting either of these guys with Cody Kessler at QB, a new offensive coordinator. Both are just lower end wide receiver fours that you're hoping find the end zone or break off a big play in this matchup. And for our next game here, we have the Carolina Panthers playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a game with a 56.5 point over-under. On the Panthers' side of the ball, DJ Moore, Devin Funches, Curtis Samuel in the passing game. DJ Moore has now caught 15 of 17 targets for 248 yards and one touchdown over the last two weeks. Funches will likely be back this week, but I still think that Moore is clearly the better option. I have him as a low-end wide receiver two, and Devin Funches as a low-end wide receiver three with some touchdown upside as the Buccaneers have allowed seven touchdowns, two wide receivers through just 11 games this season. And Curtis Samuel, I have him as just a boomer bust wide receiver four. Then on the Buccaneers side of the ball, Peyton Barber in the run game. He currently ranks ninth in the NFL in carries. So the opportunity has been there for him this season, but he's currently the running back 33 in PPR leagues. The opportunity keeps him as a running back three, but I don't see much of a ceiling at all with the Panthers playing fairly tough against the run as of late. And in the passing game, Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson, Chris Godwin, and Adam Humphreys. The Panthers defense has allowed seven wide receiver touchdowns over the last four weeks and may be without Dante Jackson, their best cornerback in this matchup. So Evans, he's an every week star and really the only lock for production from this wide receiver core. Both Deshaun Jackson and Chris Godwin are boomer bust options that I never really feel confident about relying on in my lineups. But Adam Humphreys, he's now had 33 receptions for 444 yards and 4 touchdowns over his last 7 games. He's actually been a top 15 option at the wide receiver position during that span. So I have him as a solid wide receiver 3 in PPR formats this week with wide receiver 2 upside if he finds the end zone. 
And now we'll hop right into the Buffalo Bills playing the Miami Dolphins in a game with a 40 and a half point over under. For quarterback Josh Allen, I have him as a low-end quarterback two in this matchup. I know he had a solid day against the Jaguars last week, but he hasn't thrown for more than 200 yards since way back in week two. He's yet to have more than one touchdown pass in any game this season, and I don't even trust his rushing production in this matchup as the Dolphins have allowed the sixth fewest rushing yards and zero rushing touchdowns to quarterbacks on the season. So outside of two quarterback leagues, you're not even considering Josh Allen. Then in the run game, LaShawn McCoy actually has a great matchup here as the Dolphins have allowed 10 different running backs to finish in the top 16 against them this season. I'm not expecting a huge blow up game from McCoy, but if you aren't going to trust him as a running back too in this matchup, then I really don't know when you're going to be able to throughout the rest of the season. Then on the Dolphins side of the ball, Ryan Tannehill, this is another quarterback that I'm fully avoiding. The Bills defense has been brutal against quarterbacks this season. And then in the run game, Kenyon Drake, it looks like he'll be good to go for this game. And the Bills have allowed seven rushing touchdowns over their last five games. Although I do have my concerns with that shoulder injury lingering and limiting him in this matchup. So I have him as a higher end running back three. And then you have Frank Gore, who's still looking for his first touchdown on the season. I think he provides a decent floor with 53 or more rushing yards in each of his last four games. And he should see plenty of opportunity as the Bills have been very successful in defending the pass. So the Dolphins should be forced to run the ball quite a bit here. But he's still nothing more than a lower end RB3 in my opinion. And next up, we have the Baltimore Ravens heading to Atlanta to play the Falcons in a game with a 49 point over under. On the Ravens side of the ball for quarterback Lamar Jackson, it just doesn't look like he's going to be much of a threat through the air this year. But the Falcons have allowed the sixth most rushing yards and the fourth most rushing touchdowns to quarterbacks on the season. I think he'll provide solid high end quarterback two production this week. And in the run game, Alex Collins, he's currently questionable with a foot injury. So you're not going to be trusting him even if he does hit the field this week as Gus Edwards should remain the clear option to handle first and second down work going forward but he still has yet to see a single target which makes me a little concerned over him being game scripted out and although I do like Edwards going forward let's pump the brakes a little bit here he has played against the Bengals and the Raiders who are two of the bottom five teams in the league against the run I have him as a lower end running back two this week and like I said you cannot trust Collins as anything more than a running back four in this matchup Then in the passing game for John Brown and Michael Crabtree, I know that the Falcons have allowed the six most fantasy points per game to wide receivers on the season, but I still have a hard time trusting Lamar Jackson to effectively deliver the ball. I currently have Brown as a boomer bust wide receiver three and Michael Crabtree as a wide receiver four as he's now failed to top 32 yards since week seven and has just three touchdowns on the season. And now we'll hop right over to the Falcons side of the ball. And for running back Tevin Coleman, the Falcons run game hasn't been getting it done over the last few weeks. And I'm not expecting a change against the Ravens' brutal run defense this week. Coleman, of course, always has the potential for finding the end zone, but he's still a higher end running back three for me this week. Then in the passing game, Calvin Ridley and Mohamed Sanu, the Ravens have allowed just nine top 30 wide receivers on the season. I have Ridley as a low end wide receiver three as he'll likely see a lot of Marlon Humphrey who has been solid in coverage this season and I don't think Sanu is currently worth starting as he'll either see Tavon Young or Brandon Carr. Of course, Carr would be the worst case scenario out of that duo, but neither one is a favorable matchup. But I do think that tight end Austin Hooper should be on the tight end streaming radar this week as the Ravens really haven't been the worst matchup for tight ends. They have allowed a 70% completion percentage to the position and the Ravens will likely have their hands full with the Falcons other pass catching weapons on this offense. 
And now we'll hop right into the Los Angeles Rams playing the Detroit Lions in a game with a 54 and a half point over under. On the Rams side of the ball, you guys already know who you're starting. It's week 13. But I have been getting a lot of questions about wide receiver Josh Reynolds. I have him as a low end wide receiver three with some upside. If Darius Slay can slow down Brandon Cooks, I think Jared Goff will likely have to rely on Reynolds a little bit more. So I do think he can be started in PPR leagues and deeper leagues. He's a fine play there. And then we'll hop right over to the Lions side of the ball. I've already said it multiple weeks in a row. I'm not trusting Matthew Stafford in any of my lineups for the rest of the season, but in the run game with Carrion Johnson out, we have LeGarrette Blunt and Theo Riddick, and I'm not excited about either of these options, as Blunt will get game scripted out if the game gets out of hand, and the Rams have been fairly tough against pass-catching running backs. However, Blunt does get goal line opportunity, and Riddick's work in the passing game, I do think he'll see enough targets with Marvin Jones out to keep them both in that lower-end running back three territory. And then for the passing game, Kenny Galladay, he's the only guy that you're considering starting here. Aqib Tlaib might be back this week for the Rams, which would definitely be a downgrade, but I'll still have Galladay as a solid wide receiver too, as he's now seen 36 targets over the last three weeks with Marvin Jones out of the lineup. And now we'll hop right into Broncos, Bengals, Battlestar Galactica. Could not help myself in a game with a 42 point over under. I actually think that Broncos quarterback Case Keenum, while he doesn't provide a high ceiling by any means, he should be able to provide higher end quarterback two production in this matchup as the Bengals have just been brutal on defense as of late. And then in the run game, Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. The Bengals defense has allowed 100 or more rushing yards in seven of their last nine games. I have Lindsay as a must play running back one this week and Freeman is just a high end handcuff to Lindsay although he does get some goal line work so if you're really in a tight spot you could slide Freeman in and hope he finds the end zone. Then in the passing game Emmanuel Sanders and Cortland Sutton you're definitely starting Sanders as a solid wide receiver two in this matchup and I could definitely see Cortland Sutton finding the end zone here but he's still yet to record more than three catches in any game this season so I have him as a wide receiver four who will likely disappoint if he doesn't score. And that's not something that I'd be willing to rely on, especially if I'm fighting for a playoff spot. And the same goes for tight end Matt Lacoste. There's likely a more reliable streamer that you could find. But like I mentioned, the Bengals defense has really been struggling. And at the tight end position, you know he's going to be getting some targets with Jeff Hewerman out for the season. So targets in a plus matchup is really all you can ask for at tight end. And then on the Bengals side of the ball for running back Joe Mixon, the Broncos have allowed just 3.12 yards per carry and zero touchdowns to running backs over the last five games, which has included David Johnson, Kareem Hunt, Lamar Miller, Melvin Gordon, and James Conner. I still have him as a mid-tier running back too, as I'm hoping he gets some more work in the passing game with Jeff Driscoll under center, but this is definitely not the plus matchup that it used to be at the beginning of the season. And then in the passing game, it looks like AJ Green will finally be returning from his toe injury. That's kept him sidelined over the last few weeks, so we're not really sure how close to 100% he really will be on Sunday. Plus, he's working with an unproven quarterback in Jeff Driscoll. But if he's on the field, I am expecting him to be a focal point of the offense. So while I always have my concerns with starting a player returning from a multi-week injury, you could do a lot worse than sliding A.J. Green into your lineup if you don't have a viable fill-in in his place. And then Tyler Boyd, he'll likely see a lot of Chris Harris Jr. this week in the slot, but with the high number of targets that he's been seeing, I still have him as a solid wide receiver three. I'm just not expecting a huge game for him there. And then CJ Uzoma, the tight end. The Broncos have been fairly susceptible to tight ends as of late, and in a small sample size, Driscoll has targeted him on 10 of his 36 pass attempts. So I have him as a high-end tight end too. But again, with AJ Green being worked back in, we're not really sure what the target breakdown is going to be. So I would look for a more reliable option at the tight end position if possible. And now we'll hop right into our next game of the week, the Cleveland Browns playing the Houston Texans in a game with a 45 point over under. On the Brown side of the ball, quarterback Baker Mayfield. I know that Mariota just had a solid performance 
performance against the Texans, but that hasn't been the case for the majority of the season. I think the Browns offensive line is really going to struggle against the Texans pass rush. So while Mayfield has been solid as of late with the coaching change, I have him as a mid quarterback two this week, not one that needs to be started. And for Nick Chubb, the Texans haven't allowed over 82 yards rushing on the season to any running back. So it's not a great matchup for Chubb, but he's been solid in the passing game as well over the last few weeks, which still keeps him as a solid running back two for me here. And then in the passing game for Jarvis Landry, he currently ranks 7th in targets amongst wide receivers, but he's had just 17 targets over his last 3 games. He'll see a lot of Kareem Jackson in the slot this week, who's been lights out this season. So while I do think the Browns' improved offense will eventually benefit Landry, and I do expect the Browns' offense to be able to put up some points against the Texans' defense, he's still just a borderline wide receiver 3 for me this week. And David Njoku is the only pass-catching option that I'm really trusting. He's been solid since the Browns' bye week, and the Texans' have allowed touchdowns to tight ends in three straight games. Keep firing him up as a tight end one. Then on the Texans side of the ball, the Browns have been fairly tough against quarterbacks on the season, but their defense has taken on some injuries and Deshaun Watson has really been running the ball effectively over the last three weeks. So I have him as a solid top 10 option in this matchup. And then Lamar Miller. I didn't think I would be saying this, but I fully trust him as an RB1 this week. Miller has now had 502 yards and three touchdowns over his last five games. And the Browns have allowed a top 10 back in three of their last four games. So I'm firing up Lamar Miller with confidence this week. And then wide receiver Demarius Thomas had just three catches in his first two games with the Texans. Then he went off for two touchdowns last week. So we don't know which version of DT we're going to be getting here, but I can say that I think he will be extra involved with Kiki Kuti dealing with a hamstring injury, but I'm still not buying into last week. Plus, he'll see a lot of TJ Carey, who has been solid in coverage as of late. So I have him as a lower end wide receiver three this week. And next up, we have the Kansas City Chiefs playing the Oakland Raiders in a game with a 55 and a half point over under. I initially had nothing to say about the Chiefs because, you know, you're going to be starting the same guys every single week, but that is not the case anymore. News broke today that Kareem Hunt has been released from the team due to the video footage of his altercation from last year. And I'm not here to comment on the morality of the situation. So let's just focus on the fantasy implications of this move and it seems that Spencer Ware will be taking over the lead back duties for the Kansas City Chiefs. We've seen Ware be productive in the past. He should be added in 100% of leagues and with the Raiders allowing an average of 134.6 rushing yards per game to running backs, I think that Spencer Ware should be started in most leagues as a safe running back two with upside to put up running back one numbers. So hopefully you had Hunt handcuffed with Spencer Ware, but just a disappointing situation all around. But we'll move right over to the Raiders side of the ball, and the only three options that I'm even looking at this week are Doug Martin, Jalen Richard, and Jared Cook. Of course, Doug Martin had his rushing touchdown against the Ravens last week, which I'm sure everyone saw that one coming. But before that, the Raiders hadn't scored a rushing touchdown since week three. Still, the Chiefs have been susceptible to the run game, and Martin has gotten enough opportunity for me to have him as a high-end running back three this week. While Richard has some upside in PPR formats, but he's no more than a lower-end running back three, having seen just four targets over the last two games. And for tight end Jared Cook, the Chiefs allow the third most fantasy points to the tight end position, and Cook has been a favorite target of Derek Carr on the season, so fire him up as a solid tight end one this week. And now I'll hop right into the next game of the week, the New York Jets playing the Tennessee Titans in a game with a 40 and a half point over under. On the Jets side of the ball for running back Isaiah Crowell, the Titans have been solid against the run this season, and Crowell has totaled less than 50 rushing yards in each of his last six games, so full avoid for me there. And then Chris Herndon, the tight end, the Titans have allowed just one tight end to 
total, more than 43 yards this season, and that was Zach Ertz. So avoid Herndon as a streaming option this week as well. Then on the Titans side of the ball, Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry. The Jets have now allowed back-to-back 200-yard rushing games to the Bills and the Patriots, and I'm not expecting the Titans to have to throw the ball a ton in this matchup, but I still have both as running back three options as this run game has not been one that you could trust throughout the season. And for wide receiver Corey Davis, although he's flashed his talent at points throughout the season, he reminds me of Amari Cooper in Oakland. He's really just tied to the play of Marcus Mariota at this point, making it hard for me to trust him as anything more than a higher-end wide receiver three, with the Titans' inconsistent offense. And then tight end Jonu Smith, he's been solid for the Titans coming out of the bye, but he'll see a lot of Jamal Adams this week, and the Jets have allowed the second fewest yards to tight ends on the season. I would look for a streaming option elsewhere. And next up, we have the Minnesota Vikings heading to New England to play the Patriots in a game with a 48 and a half point over under. For quarterback Kirk Cousins, the Patriots defense has been pretty hit or miss all season. So I know that Stephon Diggs, he's currently questionable for this matchup. I am expecting him to play. And then with Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook both healthy, I have Cousins as a solid quarterback one this week. And then for Dalvin Cook in the run game, he's actually been in a 60-40 timeshare with Latavius Murray since he returned from injury. But Cook has definitely gotten more work in the passing game. And the Patriots have allowed the seventh most people PR points through the air, two running backs on the season, but just four touchdowns on the ground. So I have Cooks as a solid running back too, as the Patriots will be kept busy with Diggs and Thielen in the passing game. And then on the Patriots side of the ball, this seems like the perfect game for us to count out Tom Brady and have him come through with a huge day. But the Vikings defense has been lights out, allowing a league low 14 passing touchdowns on the season, which also includes a four touchdown game against the Rams where the Vikings traveled across the country on a short week. I currently have Brady as a low end quarterback one in this matchup, especially if the Vikings are without their top cornerback Xavier Rhodes. Then in the run game, Sony Michelle, James White, and Rex Burkhead. The Vikings have been tough against the run and Rex Burkhead definitely makes this situation a little bit more murky. I still have Michelle as an RB2 as the Patriots always seem to be in scoring situations and White should be productive enough in the passing game to warrant high-end running back two status. While I'd recommend sitting Burkhead this week until we see how he gets involved in that offense. And then for Josh Gordon and Julian Edelman, like I said, if Xavier Rhodes does miss this game, I would have Gordon as a high-end wide receiver too. But of course, that's something to monitor as he would be much more difficult to trust as anything more than a mid wide receiver three if Rhodes does manage to play. And then Edelman should see a ton of Mackenzie Alexander, who has been solid in slot coverage over the last three seasons. Although Edelman should still provide a solid floor, keeping him as a mid-tier wide receiver too. Next up, we have the San Francisco 49ers playing the Seattle Seahawks in a game with a 46-point over-under. On the 49ers side of the ball, running back Matt Breda has been solid over the last two weeks, but let's not ignore that it's been against the Buccaneers and the New York Giants. Fortunately, the Seahawks haven't been great as of late, allowing 424 yards and four touchdowns over their last four games, although we also have to mention that this was against Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley, Aaron Jones, and Christian McCaffrey, who have all been on fire as of late. But regardless, when Matt Breda is healthy, and he currently is, it's hard not to trust him as at least a mid-tier running back too. Then in the passing game for wide receiver Dante Pettis, the 49ers will be without Marquise Gowin and Pierre Garçon this week, but I still think it's a risky matchup to trust Pettis in as anything more than a wide receiver four, and of course you're starting George Kittle each and every week. Now on the Seahawks side of the ball, in the run game, Chris Carson, he's the only running back I'm willing to trust, and I'm expecting a lot of opportunity for him here as the Seahawks are 10-point favorites in this matchup, putting him as a rock-solid running back two this week. Then in the passing game, wide receivers Doug Baldwin, Tyler Lockett, and David Moore. The 49ers secondary 
is riddled with injuries, and they've been susceptible to slot-heavy receivers like Doug Baldwin. Of course, he hasn't been someone that you can trust week in and week out, but I do think he'll provide solid, high-end wide receiver 3 production in this matchup. Then Tyler Lockett, he still hasn't gotten more than 6 targets in any game this season, and although we haven't seen any regression yet, he'll see a lot of Richard Sherman this week, who has actually been solid. I still have him as a low-end wide receiver 3, as he continues to score touchdowns on every 6.8 targets that he sees, but I don't think he's a safe play by any means. And then David Moore, like Tyler Lockett, should be in line for regression eventually, but I've actually been impressed with his play as of late, keeping him in that same wide receiver 3 territory. And now we'll hop right into our Sunday night game, the LA Chargers playing the Pittsburgh Steelers in a game with a 51 and a half point over under. On the Chargers side of the ball, without Melvin Gordon, we're going to see a lot of Austin Eckler and hopefully some Justin Jackson as well. While I do think Eckler will see the majority of touches, I think that he will let people down that are expecting him to see 20 or more touches per game with Melvin Gordon out. I just don't think he's that type of running back. And Justin Jackson actually received more carries last week and looked solid, averaging over 8 yards per carry. However, the Steelers have struggled against the run as of late, putting Eckler as a mid running back two for me. And although I wouldn't trust Jackson in my starting lineup just yet, I do have interest in him as a sleeper play going forward. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if he sees 10 plus carries this week. Then in the passing game, Keenan Allen, Tyrell Williams, and Mike Williams. Allen is a must-play wide receiver one this week. He's been on fire, and I know he'll see some Joe Hayden on the perimeter, but he'll avoid him for the majority of the game as he plays more than half of his snaps from the slot. Then you have Tyrell and Mike Williams. They both have some upside, but they'll also both see a decent amount of Joe Hayden, and Tyrell Williams is currently dealing with an ankle injury, so I'm not willing to trust him or Mike Williams for that matter as anything more than touchdown-dependent wide receiver fours this week. And then on the Steelers' side of the ball, you guys already know who you're going to be starting, but with the team likely without their tight end Vance McDonald this week, I do have Jesse James as a mid-tight end too. I know he's likely to see a lot of Derwin James in coverage, but he definitely has more touchdown potential than most other tight ends in that same range if you're looking for a streamer. And then for our final game of the week, the Washington Redskins playing the Philadelphia Eagles in a game with a 43 and a half point over under. On the Redskins side of the ball, quarterback Colt McCoy, I actually have him as a viable quarterback too this week as I'm not expecting Adrian Peterson to get much done on the ground and the Eagles secondary has really been a mess as of late, allowing four of the last five quarterbacks that they've played to finish in the top 12 for fantasy. Then on the ground, you have Adrian Peterson and Chris Thompson returning to the lineup. I know that the Eagles run defense has allowed some big games as of late, but that was against Ezekiel Elliott, Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara, and Saquon Barkley. So I'm expecting them to get back on track against the Redskins' injury-riddled offensive line, making it tough to trust Adrian Peterson as anything more than a high-end running back three. And you guys know my philosophy by now of players returning from multi-week injuries, so I'm really trying to avoid Chris Thompson wherever possible this week. And then in the passing game, I actually have Josh Doxson as a low-end wide receiver three this week as he's now seen 17 targets over the last two weeks with McCoy under center. And this is a plus matchup against the Eagles secondary, like I said. And I'm avoiding wide receiver Trey Quinn outside of really deep PPR leagues, but with nine receptions on 10 targets for 75 yards and one touchdown over the last two weeks, he's someone that should be finding his way onto fantasy rosters. And then the Eagles have also been brutal against tight ends this season, allowing the fifth fewest points to the position. But with 19 targets over the last two weeks, Jordan Reed has turned that into 13 receptions for 146 yards and one touchdown. I still have him as a low-end tight end one in this matchup who should continue to see a ton of targets. 
And on the Eagles side of the ball for quarterback Carson Wentz, the Eagles offense has been struggling, but the Redskins defense has been a great matchup for fantasy quarterbacks as of late, allowing seven touchdowns over their last four games, which includes a 406-yard zero touchdown performance from quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I think Wentz gets back on track here as a low-end quarterback one. And then in the run game for Josh Adams and Corey Clement, the Redskins have allowed three of the last four teams that they've played to rush for 128 or more yards, but they've also allowed the ninth fewest rushing touchdowns on the season. I don't think the matchup is as favorable as the Giants last week, but Josh Adams' usage has me trusting him as a low-end running back two this week, and I'm finding it difficult to trust Corey Clement as anything more than a wide receiver four with some upside, as he has played pretty well as of late. And then in the passing game, Alshon Jeffrey and Golden Tate. Jeffrey has now seen five or less targets in three of his last four games. He's also failed to top 48 yards in the entire last month, and he hasn't scored since week seven. This week, he'll see a lot of Josh Norman, who isn't the toughest matchup at this point in his career, and of course, a two-touch game is always in the realm of possibilities for Alshon Jeffrey, but I don't trust him as anything more than a wide receiver three that will likely disappoint without a touchdown this week. And while eight targets in each of the last two games for Golden Tate is tempting as he'll now see Fabian Moreau who has struggled as of late, he still hasn't had more than 50 yards receiving since way back in week four, making him a risky wide receiver three in this matchup. And that is all that I have for you guys on this week's episode of the Football MD Podcast. I can't believe they were already at episode 30. Thank you guys so much for sticking with us all the way through this point. I also can't believe it's week 13 of the fantasy football season. This season has flown by. I really hope that our advice has helped you guys throughout the season, and I hope you guys are ready to make a playoff run. We're going to be sticking with you guys through weeks 14 through 16. We'll be there week 17 if that's when your fantasy championships take place. And we'll be with you guys throughout the entire offseason keeping you guys up to date with all of the latest football news, both NCAA and NFL. So I really can't thank you guys enough. Your support has meant everything to us. We hope that you continue to stick around throughout the entire fantasy playoff, the offseason, and all of next season and seasons to come. Thank you guys so much. As always, make sure you're following us at FootballMDPod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to keep up with all of the latest content that we're going to be releasing. So good luck this week, and until next time, guys.